Well, good morning. It is good to see each and everybody's faces today. The Lord is so good. And, and also, we want to say good morning to everybody that is uh, watching us on our live stream. And just want to say that the Lord is good and the Lord loves you very, very much and He cares about you. Um, let's go ahead and ask God's blessing on our study this morning. Father, we want to thank you so very much. We want to thank you for your word. If it had not been for your word, we would have no guidance. We would have no encouragement. Please take your word this morning. Let us all step aside and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us. May we identify with your word this morning and apply it to our life as only you can do to us. We ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turning your Bibles to the Gospel of John, and I would like you to look at chapter 4 with me. And what we're going to do is we're going to look, as you turn to chapter 4, uh, you're going to notice some characters that are going to pop out of these scriptures here. Of course, the main character is Jesus Christ, our Savior. So we're going to definitely see him. The disciples are also there. Uh, you're going to see a Samaritan woman. And she's one of the main characters in our study this morning as well. And Jacob, you'll see that name come up. And Joseph, you'll see that name come up as well. Now, Jesus was in Judea at this time. And he wanted to go to Galilee. And that's about a 70-mile journey over mountains, rough terrain. So this event that we're going to look at this morning starts from Judea with a plan. And this plan is to go to Galilee. But Jesus ends up in a city called Sychar in Samaria, which is east of the normal traveling routes that you would go when you're traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee or from Galilee down back to Jerusalem. The normal travel routes are west for a Jew. So the Jews did not like the Samaritans. One reason was that they were genetically part Jewish and genetically part Gentile. So, uh, their heritage was something that the Jew, the full Jew, was not very fond of. So avoiding these Samaritans was common for a Jew. So if you're going from Galilee back then in those days to Jerusalem or back again, if it meant for you to go through Samaria to have a shorter distance, <laughs> the common Jew is not going to take that route. Okay, so from Jerusalem to Galilee is about 70 miles if you're going to travel all of that route uh, that way. However, Jesus and his disciples took a detour. They took a detour to a city in Samaria that covered approximately 30 plus miles to get to Sychar. Now, they arrived at this city somewhere around 6 p.m. in the evening. And this is where our event begins. Look at verse 1, and we're going to read verse 1 through 4. And I call this the plan. The plan. 
Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. He needed. Now, I looked at that and I says, Jesus needed? God needs something? What in the world could God ever need? But here it says that Jesus needed. So let's look, take a, a little bit deeper look into this and see what it was Jesus actually needed. Look at verse 5. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, Jesus obviously needed to go through Samaria. That's what he needed. He had to go through Samaria. Now, I want you to notice something. The word Sychar, the Hebrew name, the meaning of that name, okay, means, get this, guys, drunkard, intoxicated, okay? That's what that, the name is, or strong drink. How would you like to be from a town called Drunkard? I'm from the town of strong drink. Now, I want to notice something about our Lord here. There is one thing about our Savior, Jesus Christ. He does not avoid, neither does he turn away from places or people that have a bad reputation. Matter of fact, the Lord is drawn to people, as we see, that might have a bad reputation or have a bad name. Isn't that something? And that's a lot of things that we can apply to our lives as well as we look at others. Now, in verse 5, we see the names Jacob and Joseph jump up, right? And, and here, Joseph was, Joseph was the son of Jacob. Now, there's lots to say about these guys, and we don't have enough time today to talk about them. However, notice what it was that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. He gave him a plot of ground. And he gave him a plot of ground, not just an empty plot of ground. He gave him a plot of ground that had a well. It had a well in it. Now, the father Jacob gave the son, follow me, Joseph, land and a well that would sustain life and that would give life in the hot, barren deserts and climates of Israel. Think about this with me for a minute, guys. Our father loves the son and has given him all things. John chapter 335. The father loves the son and has given him all things. And the Holy Spirit is active in giving and sustaining life. Turn with me to chapter 14 of John. Put your finger there in four. Go to 14 in the Gospel of John. 
And I want you to keep in mind the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in giving life and sustaining life. John chapter 14, and look with me with verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Beautiful. Back to chapter 4. Let's look at verse 6 again. Verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, you're looking at, we're looking at maybe about 6 p.m. Jesus, God the Son, born of a woman, took on a human nature, except for the sinful nature that we all have. But Jesus, as we see here, was wearied from a 30-plus terrain, 30-plus mile walk through rough terrain, mountainous area. He was tired. Amazing, wasn't it? Now, it's sure a good thing to know that when we are weary, and guys, when we're weary, weary for any reason at all in our life, it's good to know that Jesus can identify with that. And not only will Jesus identify with you in your weariness, he will actually sit with you by the well, strengthening you and encouraging you and bringing you refreshment because that's what the Lord does. Amazing. And you know what? That is just how much Jesus loves you. He never leaves us alone, on our own, by ourselves, with our own way to make it through whatever weariness, whatever terrain you're traveling, no matter how hot it might be, the Lord Jesus is always willing to be with you, identify with you, and when you're ready to sit down because you're weary, he will sit with you, he will refresh you, he will strengthen you, and he will encourage you. He knows exactly what you're going through. Let's go ahead and look right now at uh, verse 7 and through 9. Verse 7 says, A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, here we're introduced. We're introduced to the Samaritan woman. Guess what? She has no name. And you know, I think that we, a lot of times, can write our names in some of the experiences some of the people from the Bible go through. And we could put our name in there. We could put our city in there and try to identify with what is going on in her life. So we're introduced to this Samaritan um, woman. Her, believe it or not, her ethnicity, her ethnicity, 
uh, and some of us can identify this, it, it was a response that she's looking for here. She identifies, all right, she's identifying, uh, or we can identify with her, and she's going about her duties every day, uh, drawing water, and she was not looking for a confrontation with a Jew. She's not looking for a confrontation for a Jew, with a Jew. She's looking for water. She's looking to draw water this day. However, being a half Jew, she was also looking for the Messiah. She had no clue, little did she know, that who she was talking to was the very one that was pursuing her. It was the very one who was looking for her. Now, here Jesus is by the well, and he's all by himself. Disciples go off to buy food. There's nobody with Jesus before the Samaritan woman comes. He's all by himself sitting by the well. And she comes in, and then Jesus says, give me a drink. To ask someone for a drink of water would respond, uh, is, is a question or a request that would bring a response from a heart of kindness, right? Someone asks you for a drink of water, you would, kindness of your heart, you'd give it to them. But notice something here. Jesus' pursuit of this Samaritan woman is something that shows the character of God. Jesus was pursuing her, and he has done this for us, and he will continue to do it for others. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Go back a couple of books. Keep your finger in John chapter 4. Look at Matthew 8, 18, and I want you to keep in mind the character of God, the character of God when or how God feels for the lost. Go to Matthew chapter 18, and look with me to chapter to verse 10. Verse 10. Jesus says, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, surely I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. That is the character of of God for the loss. And you and I are exactly the lost sheep that he came to find, those of us that have been born again. We were the ones in the mountains, and notice that's where he went, right? A rough place to go. Amazing, amazing. Now, let's look at verse 7 again. Verse 7, she says, give me a drink. Oh, excuse me. Jesus says, give me a drink. Notice in verse 7, 
Jesus initiates this conversation with a request. So he initiates this with a request. Now, their ethnic diversity that they had did not even warrant a request, something like this, an answer to a request like this. Now, they had such animosity against each other that even if a Jew touched a Gentile, it was forbidden. They would be unclean, let alone drink from their cup, let alone drink from a vessel that they're going to give them water from. Yet, Jesus says to her, give me a drink. The historical racial barriers now that the, that the Samaritans had with the Jews are about to be brought down. Okay? Amazing. Verse 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, she says in verse 9, How is it that you? Now, this is a question I think most of us have asked the Lord at a time. Lord, how is it that you would speak to me? How is it that you would love me? Now, I don't know about some of you. I know a lot of you are perfect, right? But, but not here. And when I look at my life and what God has done for me, and where he has brought me from, and I look at the things that I have done, I say, Lord, how could you even sit with me and draw me to yourself? How could you even look at the way I've lived my life and turn my back on you? But how could you, holy, pure, wonderful, loving God, look to me and say, I love you, and draw me to him? That's an amazing, beautiful thing. And that's what she was doing here. She says, how could you? Amazing. Now, verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, Jesus gives his answer. Jesus is speaking now directly to her. And he's speaking directly to her need, the most important need of her life. It was not the water. It was not whether she had enough income. It was not whether or not her body would be healed if it was sick. It wasn't anything about her family. He was speaking directly to her heart and the need that was in her heart. And that's exactly what he's doing with us. I know we have a lot of needs. Our prayer requests seem to grow every day. However, the greatest need that any human being can ever have that God is speaking directly to is the need in their heart. Now, verse 10 is a very interesting verse. Because Jesus mentions, Jesus mentions here a gift. Look what he says here again in verse 10. He says, if you knew the gift of God. So now there are two things in verse 10 he wants her to know before she can even get. The greatest desire of her heart that she don't even know 
that she needs right now. The first thing is the gift. Jesus says a gift. Now turn with me to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians. Look at chapter 2. And we want to look at this gift. Ephesians chapter 2. And look at verse 8 with me. Very familiar portion of scripture. Keeping in mind the gift. The gift that Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman about. Jesus says about a gift. Second chapter Ephesians. And let's look at verse 8. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest anyone should boast. Faith for salvation is the wonderful free gift he's trying to let her know about. Faith for salvation is given by God to everyone that calls on the name of Jesus Christ. Call on the Lord and you shall be saved. Now, Jesus here was not selling anything. He wasn't giving out any religious requirements. He wasn't telling her that you have to make sure you attend church every Sunday without fail for a month. He didn't say you have to pay any tithes and offerings. He didn't say anything about what you have to do to get anything. What our Lord was doing was he was offering her a free gift. The second thing that she needed to know, and look at verse 10 again. Jesus says, if you knew, verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and, so the first thing to know is the gift, and who it is, who says to you, give me a drink. So now, the second thing that he wants her to know is who it is who says to you. He wants her to know who Jesus is. His reply shows that she needed to know the gift and the giver in order to get that gift. And this is the reason Jesus needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. Remember we said Jesus needed something? He needed to go through Samaria to tell these two things to this Samaritan woman. That's it. Just to tell her these two things. Talk about a missionary journey. Now, this is why... He also needs to go through our Samarias in our life. This is why he needs to go through the difficult places of our life to get to us, to tell us about the gift and to tell us who he is. A beautiful, beautiful missionary journey that God has had with each and every one of you that knows the Savior. Beautiful experience of the Lord coming to us. Look at verse 10 again. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and to who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He would have given you living water. Now, 
Jesus is God, the Son, creator of the heaven and earth. He has come down as a man to die for you and for me. It is this very same Jesus, the Messiah, who is offering each and every one living water. Living water. It says, and he would have given you, the very end of verse 10, he would have given you living water. Now, verse 11 and verse 12, we're going to see this response of the woman. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Now, Jesus had nothing to partake of this earthly well's water, did he? He did not have any earthly vessel to reach down and grab a hold of the pleasures of what the earth inside that well was offering. Now, you know, I pray that I, I also don't have any type of a vessel that would partake of the pleasures of this world. A lot of times the world tries to tag things on to us to say, hey, partake of this, partake of this, or partake of that. And when the world tempts me, or when the world tries to entice me, when the world's things lure me away, I want to be able to say, I don't have a cup that would reach down that far to get a drink. That's exactly what I want the response of my life to be. Now, Jesus had nothing to draw, but she did. She had the pitcher, she had the means to draw the water, and she had the means to drink from this world's pleasures. Yet, she would always be thirsty again, and then she would always come back for more. And you see, that is what the world offers you, temporal satisfaction temporal pleasures. I'm telling you, you go and you think it's going to meet your need, give you something that's going to satisfy, and you're always right back at the well again. Had a young man tell me, well, he wasn't that young, something about alcohol and drinking alcohol and enjoying that. And, and I told him, you know what? You drink from that well, you're going to always come back because you're always going to be thirsty. But our Lord offered her living water. Okay? Verse um, 13 and verse 14. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, the water that Jesus is giving becomes in them. Think about what God has done for you, how what God has produced in you. This water that Jesus gives, 
is in them, right? It's what he said. It is a gushing water source that has an effect that it becomes a water spring that gushes out and it leads to eternal life. That's exactly what it does. It's exactly what it does. Now, here's the question that I have to ask myself. Does this describe when I drink the water that Jesus gave me? Does this describe my life? Let me look at this again. The water that Jesus gives becomes in them or in me a gushing water source that has the effect like a water spring that gushes out and leads to or resulting in eternal life. Is that me? Is that my life? Turn to 2 Corinthians and look at chapter 5. And I want us to keep in mind the change that God has done in your life and try to match it up with how we're living right now. And if I fall short in this, I say, Lord, help me to live what the word of God is telling me I should live. Look at chapter 5, 2 Corinthians, look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Take this scripture related to the Samaritan woman. You know what her old ways were. I don't even want to talk to a Jew, let alone give you water. Don't even ask me for water. You know that I'm unclean even to look at you or touch you. But yet those walls were being broken down. Her life was being changed. And as we progress and look more at her life, you'll see more and more of her life changing. Now, the water that God gives, this living, gushing water that lives within us, is not just for a one-time instance. Look, my life needs a continuous refreshing of the Lord in my life. I need this water not to be stagnant, not to say, well, in 1978, I lift my hands and gave my life to Jesus Christ. Well, Rich, what have you been doing since then? How has your life affected your walk? How have you treated your, your, your family, your loved ones, your kids, your wife, your husbands, your sisters, your brothers? How are you affecting the call that God has put on your life in church? How are you traveling all over the world to all of these Calvary chapels and end up in Jerusalem and say, how is my life affecting? Is there a well of water within me that springs up and says to me, you know what, no matter what I go through, I know that my Savior lives within me, and it's a gushing, living water. And I could say 2 Corinthians 5.17 is my life. Therefore, if anyone, and I'm that anyone, is in Christ, in Christ, saved, he or she is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Are they? Yes. Behold, all Things become new. And that's what he's doing with the Samaritan woman. And that's why I can put my name and my city right where she is. Richard Montgomery, New York City. That's exactly 
what's going on. Let's look back in um, chapter 4 of John. Chapter 4 of John. Verse 15, and we're going to read to the end. Verse 18, and we'll stop there for the day. Verse 15. Jesus tells her in verse 14 about this water springing up into everlasting life. Let's look at her response. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. She has been brought to the point now of actually asking for Jesus' water. She was no longer thinking about anybody else's water. She wants Jesus' water. And she says this. Remember, in the beginning of our story, who was the one that said, give me a drink first? Who initiated this conversation? It was our Lord and Savior saying, give me, right? Now at the end, she says, give me. Look, if Jesus can sit with you now and describe to you what this water is like, what do you think your response would be at the end? Wouldn't you say to him, give me with the desire of your heart? Wouldn't you be willing to say, I'm going to put all else aside, all of my prejudices of being a Samaritan. I'm going to put everything of my reputation for my city aside. And I'm going to say to you, which I would have never done a few minutes ago, give me this water. Yes, she needed to learn a little bit more of what it was all about, but it's still the same principle. It's coming to Jesus and saying, give me. Hey, guys, listen. If a father was asked by his son, give me a fish, what do you think he'll give him? Would he give him a scorpion? He'll give him a fish. Bread, he'll give him bread. He's not going to give him a rock. Let me, let me say this again to you. Do you know how much you're loved? Do you have any idea how much he cares about you? Do you know that God knew what you were going to do, the mistakes you were going to make before you made them, and he still loves you? Figure that out. Did, did you know that when you were in your worst state that you thought you would never say that, God knew you were going to say it, and he still said, I love you. Come over here. Sit down. I want to talk to you. So, if you need this water, if you need a refreshing, all you got to do is ask. I'm serious. That's all you got to do. And watch how he shows up. Now, the barriers are coming down. She must now face her sinful condition. Jesus brings it up to her about her moral lifestyle that she has lived and is living she confesses 
and she has got to face this in order to get this water. No earthly pot or pitcher can draw this water. And so it is for you, and so it is for me. In order to ask for this water, the barriers have got to come down. We have got to recognize, just like her, those two things. The first one we looked at, it was the gift in Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9, right? Faith for salvation. You've got to recognize that's what the gift is. It's, it's, that's how you get it, right? And the second thing she had to know, that she had to recognize who he was. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because those that come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Isn't that beautiful? And that's exactly where she needed to go. And we must also recognize our need for the gift. You ever hear those stories, two men walk into a, right? You heard those stories? Listen to this story. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one other a tax collector. Old tax collectors, we don't like those guys, right? The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Oh, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's where we need to recognize ourselves, and you'll receive that gift. Now, before we come, and we're going to have uh, people come up for the talent and come before here, but before we do that, do you want this water? Angie, if you want to come for our last song, darling. Do you want this water? If you do, and those of you that might be listening via our live stream, if you want this water, you've got to recognize the gift is faith for salvation, and he's willing to give it to you. We must also recognize who this giver is, Jesus Christ, none other the Messiah, Son of God, who loves you and gave his life for you. And the third thing is you have got to recognize your need for the gift, and then it's all yours. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for what you have done in our lives. We've been changed. We've been made new. You sat with us by the well when we were weary and gave us life. But Lord, there's a lot of others that have not. 
If they're calling on your name right here, right now, this is the time, this is the place, not tomorrow, to say yes to Jesus. This is the water that I need in my life that will bring satisfaction, contentment, peace, strength, encouragement, and the joy of the Lord. So, Father, speak to their hearts, and may they choose you. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.